All right, all right. So now we are going to have scripture reading. And so let's encourage our two sisters as they come to read scripture. I know y'all got to keep clapping until they get all the way up here. So there it is. See, that's how you avoid that awkward moment, you know. Dios les bendiga. Oh, come on, mama. You want to start something up in here this morning? Go ahead then. Because we ready to praise. We already on the edge. Amen. La palabra del Señor dice en Romanos 11 del 1 al 10. Dice en nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Amén. Dijo pues, digo pues, ¿Ha desechado Dios a su pueblo? En ninguna manera. Porque también yo soy israelita de la descendencia de Abraham, de la tribu de Benjamín. No ha desechado Dios a su pueblo, al cual desde antes conoció. ¿O no, es, o no sabéis qué dice de Elías? ¿De Elías? Gloria a Dios. La escritura como invoca a Dios contra Israel diciendo, Señor, a tus, alta, a tus profetas han, han dado muerte y tus, y tus altares han derribado y solo yo he quedado y procuran matarme. ¿Por qué, por qué le dice, por qué le dice venida de respuesta? Me he reservado siete mil hombres que no han doblado la rodilla delante de Baal. Así también aún en este tiempo ha quedado un remanente escogido por gracia. Y si por gracia ya no es por obra, de otra manera la gracia no es ya gracia. Y por obras ya no es gracia, de otra manera la obra ya no es obra. Pues que lo que busca Israel no lo ha alcanzado, pero los escogidos sí lo han alcanzado y los han y más fueron desechados. Como está escrito, Dios les dio espíritu de estupor, ojos que no vean y oídos que no oigan, y hasta el día de hoy. Y David dice, se ha vuelto su convite en trampa. Gloria. Y en su red se traspasaron en su tribulación. Se han desechado escubrido sus ojos para que no vean y agobien la espada para siempre. Amén. And I will read in English in Romans 11 from 1 to 10. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel 
failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table becomes, become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and bend their backs forever. Amen. Well, that's God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning that we get to sit under your word once again. Um, we pray that our eyes would be able to see, our ears would be able to hear, and that you would continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You help us to see you the way we need to see you, repent of the things that we need to repent of, and that you would help us to walk in your ways. There's nothing more greater than you. There's nothing more beautiful to see than you. And so we pray that you will help us to see you. We ask this according to your grace and your mercy that is sufficient in Jesus. And it is in his name that we pray. And the church said, there's a song out there by a rapper named Little Baby. Now, some of you may have never heard of Little Baby, but you just heard of him now. And he has a song called Close Friends. It goes a little bit like this, just in case you never heard it. And I know some of you are going to go Google it. You probably shouldn't listen to it around your kids. We started off as close friends. Somehow you turned into my girlfriend. We used to tell each other everything. Some of y'all can sing this with me. Y'all don't got to leave me by myself. I even went and bought a diamond ring and matching earrings. Everything was so cool. In this song, the young man admits, he confesses to his lady that he has messed up. He has messed up so bad with his girl that he's not sure if she'll take him back. In fact, he admits he's not sure if he did to her what he, it, he, he's not sure if what he did to her, if he actually did it, that he would take her back either. He says, I probably would. I probably wouldn't. You ever felt like that with God? That you messed up so bad that if you were God and you did what you did to God, you wasn't sure that God would take you back or not. I know some of y'all holy, and y'all ain't never messed up. Y'all always on the straight and narrow. But, but some of us in the room knows what it feels like to, to fall so short that, 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 that when you look at what you've done and you look at the mess that you created, that you're not sure that if somebody did it to you, that you'll be able to forgive them. You ain't never watched the show or heard a story of some messed up, jacked up stuff. And you say, ain't no way in the world I would take that individual back. Uh, this is what is going on in this song. Uh, as we get to Romans chapter 11, we kind of see the same issue happening with the people of Israel that they keep jacking up. They keep messing up. And, and the question becomes, will God take Israel back? There's a little 
book tucked and cradled in the Old Testament that actually gives a picture of God's love towards a rebellious people. In fact, if, if it was a modern day Bible, you can actually title the book Little Baby because that song is, 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 is actually illustrated in this book. Uh, the book of Hosea is, is a book that maybe some of you heard about. Maybe some of you read before, or you may have never heard of it at all. The book of Hosea is intended to give us a sort of illustration of God's love in the face of human rebellion. The book is intended to communicate to its readers that human rebellion falls exhausted at the feet of God's grace. The book of Hosea is intended to to, to give a sort of illustration of God's love in the face of human rebellion. The book is intended to communicate that you and I, our rebellion in our sin, falls short at the feet of God's grace. At the beginning of Hosea's ministry, Yahweh commanded him, check this out, Yahweh commanded him to take a wife of holotry. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. This day we use the word thought if you don't know what I'm talking about. And to have children of holotry. The reason the Lord gave for this unusual command was that it was that the land of Israel, the people of the northern kingdom, you'll see this in Hosea 41, were committing spiritual adultery. They were messing with everything in town. They, they had departed from the Lord to pursue other loves. The Lord uses personification to picture the land, the people of the land, as a woman acting as a prostitute. Yet no matter how unfaithful that woman was, God's instructions to Hosea was, go and get her. I thought you would have shouted right there. No, no, no matter how unfaithful she was, God's command to Hosea was go and get her. Uh, see, you didn't shout because, because you don't realize how unfaithful you are. Uh, 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 if you knew how unfaithful you were, I wouldn't even have to preach that hard. You would just start shouting right there. God says, that is a picture of my love. That I chase after prostitutes and thoughts, and they don't even deserve my love. I mean, this is the kind of language that he uses in order we can get a picture of how jacked up we are. This is what he saw. saw is, this is what God wants to paint, a picture of how unfaithful we are. And this is what we saw last week as we exited Romans chapter 10. God arms stretched and open wide to a rebellious, undeserving, and rejecting Jewish nation. This is quite the scene when you realize how well God treated this girl. Now, it's one thing if you cheat on me. <laughs> it's another thing if I've been treating you good. I mean, I've been treating you real good. I mean, I've been treating you real nice, you know. I've been, I've been loving. I, I mean, I mean I've, I've, I've come home. I've been faithful. I've been good to you. And, and, and y'all not going to talk to me this morning. It's, it's one thing for you to cheat on me, and I know I've been doing my dirt. And I know I've been jacking up myself. But when I find out that I've been good to you, 
and I find out that you've been cheating on me. It's a whole nother story and a whole nother ball game. You mean to tell me that I've been washing and cleaning, cooking and telling you all kinds of good things, doing my duties, and you're going to cheat on me anyways? <laughs> Friends, God has been good to his girl. He's been treating her good. He's been loving her right. I mean, God is not like Guys today who trample on women, treat them as sex objects. And it's a shame that for most of the men in the room, our heart breaks more over the bears losing than the mistreatment of our image-bearing sisters right here in this country. I know you're not going to talk to me, but I'm coming to your front door. No, this is not how God treated Israel. This is not how God treats his girl. God treated Israel better than any other nation in the world. <laughs> oh, y'all didn't catch it. When God treats his girl good, can't nobody come behind him and do it better. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When God, when God treats his girl, he treats her so good that nobody can come behind him and do it better. If you remember, Paul opens chapter 9 with evidence after evidence of God's love for the Jewish people. And, 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 and it's critical and important that we understand the evidence here. Because a lot of times we can say that we're treating somebody good with our words, but our actions actually deny that we're actually treating them good. But God didn't just talk to talk. God actually walks to walk. Watch this. If, if you'll go back with me about 4,000 years ago, God called a man by the name of Abraham. He was out of Ur of the Chaldees and, and, and said that from him would come the nation of Israel. I'm just giving you a little background here. He made an unbreakable covenant with Abram, calling his name Abraham, in which his physical seed would possess the land of Canaan forever and would be a great nation, which is known as Israel. God dealt in covenant relationship with Israel and outside the covenant, there was no salvation as a Jew was under the covenant by birth and entered the covenant through faith in God's promise of a Messiah to come who would reign over Israel on the throne of David. Side note there, you want to tuck that in the side of your brain that, that, that just because they were Jewish didn't make them part of the covenant. That they actually had to have faith in the promised Messiah and, uh, and, 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 and to be able to enter into the covenant. God dressed these people up for their wedding day. When the Messiah who was Jesus came to save them. God had, a, a, God, 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 God had dressed them with his covenants. He bedazzled them with his promises and he combed their hair with his prophets. However, when the wedding day came and their groom was ready to marry them, they called the wedding off. Can you imagine being the groom waiting for your bride only to show up to a wedding and she's not ready to marry you. Israel looked for the Messiah, but when he came in the person of Jesus Christ, they rejected him. God had given her everything only for her to reject him openly before public. You would think any man who has done all of that only to be rejected will be done with such a woman. In fact, most of us know that we would be done. 
I've given you everything. I've I planned the wedding out. I've paid for everything. And you are going to reject me? I'm done. But I'm so grateful that we're not dealing with man. We're dealing with God. Oh, there's a wealth of difference there. That we're not dealing with man. We're dealing with God. You and I know that our love is not strong enough to endure such rejection. That you and I love is not strong enough to endure such rebellion. That you and I would have threw in the towel a long time ago. Uh, I want you to see the picture of the pain and the hurt that is being projected towards God. So that you can see the depth of his love. You don't understand the depth of God's love until you understand the depth of your rebellion. You don't understand the depth of God's love until you understand the depth of your rejection. And what we find in Romans chapter 11 is that God's love is not like human love. Chapter 11 answers the question, will Israel's unfaithfulness and rebellious heart outrun the grace of God? How would God respond to those whom he picked but did not pick him back? Will God desert those who deserted him? Friends, you're going to want to lean in on this chapter because it teaches us just how strong grace is. Some of us are looking for reassurance from God. You haven't been to church in a while and you got invited to come today. Or you drove past this weird looking building with all the cars parked on fifth enough times. You said, I ought to go in there. But you came in asking the question, can God love me? Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time and and you aren't feeling emotionally connected to God as you have in other seasons. And you've been wondering, God, do you still love me? Well, the deeper question, really, God, do you still care? Have you given up on me? Just how strong is God's grace? Paul shows us how strong grace is by way of his love to the rebellious Jewish people. We meet Paul in the verse. The first point I want to make is God keeps with his peeps. God keeps with his peeps. Y'all like how I did that? Um, little rhyme there. I ought to be a poet. Here's what the verse says. I asked then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Again, the question might be asked, has God completely ridden off the Jewish people? Has he condemned them all to hell? It is impo- is it possible for them to be saved in light of their rebellion? What would cause Paul to ask such a question? Well, in the last chapter, Paul made some statements that would make a Jew think, well, is God done with us? He must not love us anymore. This is the conclusion that comes because God's love has shifted from the Jewish people to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are anyone who is not Jewish. That's that's you and I in the room. Uh, The people of Israel are used to God loving them. They're used to God giving all their attention to them. And all of a sudden, God begins to give his attention to the Gentiles. And they get Jealous. It's sort of like on that movie, Baby Boy. Some of y'all know about the movie Baby Boy. This is what we learned from Baby Boy. Little Jody 
is struggling with the question if his mother loves him or not. His mother finally allows the consequences of his actions and disobedience to take course. In the meantime, she has given her time and attention to other things. In fact, she has kicked him out of the house and another has taken over the crib. And Jody thinks because his mom is not giving him time and attention and care like she used to, she must have given up on him and have rejected him. Maybe you felt like little Jody in the room. You feel like God has forsaken you. You feel like God has abandoned you. Maybe you were living a smooth life and you felt like you had all things intact and now all of a sudden trouble and trial has came knocking on your doorstep. You do know that trouble and trial will someday come knocking at your doorstep. Not so much because you did anything. It's just because you took up space on this planet. Trouble is going to come knocking like unwelcome mail. Oh, it's coming to your doorstep. And when it comes, sometimes doubt seeps down into your heart and you begin to question in the midst of my trial, does God still love me? Uh, may, 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 uh, maybe you're not getting the picture here because, because for Israel, for God to lavish them with such love and to remove his love onto the Gentiles is a woeful thought to think that God doesn't love you. Friends, we get so bent out of shape. We get so upset when people don't love us or the thought of people not loving us, but the thought of God not loving you ought to devastate you. Because to be outside of the love of God is to be under the judgment of God. We're not playing games here. This is a woeful and weighty thing on the soul of the Jews. Can we, in light of our rebellion, still be loved by God? I love what Paul says. He uses the strongest word in the Greek to say, let me translate it for you, hekino. <laughs> or heavens no. If I wasn't in this pulpit, maybe there's another word that Paul's trying to express. But then I'll get emails. <laughs> well, Paul says that it is unthinkable that the love of God has fallen short in, in light of the sin of mankind. You must don't know who God is. You must don't know how strong grace is. Here's Paul. So Paul parks his car. Where does he park it? He parks it on his testimony. Oh, I love this part of the text because Paul doesn't reach out. He doesn't find some abstract reality. No, Paul stops right at his own soul. And he says, if you want to know if God is still saving Jewish people, you look at this preacher up here, this jacked up, messed up, can't get right preacher up here. If God could save me, you better believe that God can save you. Oh, I love it. Here's all y'all don't know who Paul is. Let me take you back to Saul. Some of y'all, y'all got some old names who they used to call you back. But since you've been saved, people don't know about your old name. They used to call you Little Willie, Little Hoodie Boy. But see, people don't know about that. So let me take you to Paul B.C. days. Paul was a bad boy. Paul was not always an apostle. He wasn't always a praying saint. 
Paul was actually killing the church. He was killing saints. He was killing those who confessed the name of Jesus. And out of nowhere, you would have think that God would have slayed Paul, that Paul, that God would have killed Paul. But instead, when Paul was on his way to kill God's church, God showed up in his rebellion. Oh, you missed your shout. Oh, you missed your shout. I said that God showed up in his rebellion. Oh, that's good right there. Oh, yes, preach Dexter Harris. That's good right there. In other words, Paul wasn't looking for God. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. No, no, no. He wasn't trying to discover God. He was ignorant of the Messiah. And God showed up in his rebellion. Okay, y'all not getting me yet. It is if Paul is spitting in the face of God and God is still taking steps towards him. Okay, now y'all need to go in y'all flesh with me for a minute. Can you imagine if somebody spit in your face? That'll be all over World Star. It'll be all over the internet because you'll bring your hand so far back that you'll slap them six ways from yesterday. But God, instead of killing Paul. God floods his heart with the light of God, and Paul gets changed. Paul gets transformed. That's your story, friends. God showed up in your rebellion. God showed up in your rejection. God showed up while you were running away from him, and out of nowhere, he shined the light of Jesus. And you ain't never been the same again. He may have showed up while you had Ciroc and Hennessy and 211 in your hand. He showed up while you were at that party in that back room doing what you know that you shouldn't be doing. Y'all can play holy if you want to, but I know you're jokers because the Bible says that the heart of humankind is wicked. And so you can act polished and like a saint if you want to, but God showed up in your mess. I love it. I love it, Paul. I love it, Paul. Paul, Paul, Paul doesn't point to anybody else. Oh, no, 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 Paul doesn't do that. Paul doesn't say, look at my cousin. No, 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 no. He don't say, look at Pastor Dexter. He don't say, come on down to the church. Let me show you some people who are really jacked up. No, 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 no. Paul says, listen, I don't want you to go no further than me. Come on, I'm talking about Christian maturity here now. You know... When you really begin to take hold of the gospel, because you start to think less of yourself and you start to think more of Jesus. You know you're growing in Christ when you stop depending on yourself and you start depending on him. You know that you're mature when you realize that you're weak and he's strong. You know that you're growing up in Jesus because real maturity understands that if it had not been. This is what I love, is that God keeps with his peeps in spite of what they've done. But friends, it gets better. Oh, it gets better. Not only does God keep with his peeps, he keeps his peeps. Oh, y'all not with me yet. Crystal, I'm trying to preach it in a way that they'll understand me. Not only does he stay with his peeps. He keeps his peeps. It's, it's one thing for you to walk with me. 
It's another thing that when you walk with me, you're, actually, you're able to keep me from the things that ought to kill me. Oh, y'all not with me this morning. So here it is. Paul's like, I'm not just going to give my own testimony because all of us could give some kind of testimony. Even the, some of the uh, Muslims can give a testimony and say, this is how God saved me. And so what he does is Paul says, come here, Elijah, from the Old Testament. I want to drive my point home to, to the Jewish people. Look at verse 2. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. And I alone am left, and they seek my life. What is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. If verse 1 is proof that God has not rejected his people, verses 2 through 5 is proof that not all of God's people have rejected him. But you should say how. Paul has argued that God has not rejected his people. But now in these next verses, he argues that not all of his people have rejected him in hard times. How have they not rejected him, friends? Well, friends, here's that one word we love so much in this church. Grace. I wish I had some more profound. I I wish I had some more theological I wish Moody would have gave me something else, but that's all I got for you this morning. Uh, 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 God keeps with his people because of grace, and God keeps his people because of grace. So on both ends, grace is what's keeping this thing together. And so Paul, okay, okay, pastor, but you brought up Elijah. I need you to talk about Elijah. I know y'all smart and y'all listening and y'all educated, so y'all not going to let me slide by. So 1 King 18, you, you, you may remember this story. Elijah is a prophet of God who has a showdown with the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. Maybe some of you guys remember that. They bring their gods, and Elijah bring the God. Oh, it's going down. It's a showdown, y'all. It is about to go down. It's, 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 it's all these false gods against the real God. Oh, I love this thing. And, 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 and it's big. I mean, y'all, it is epic. It is going, I mean, word is spreading everywhere. I mean, this is bears and packers excitement. This is, this, this is rock and stone cold big. Okay, are y'all with me yet? This is, this is huge. This is huge. It's about to go down on top of the mountain. Jazz versus bulls, who going to win? And Elijah has a moment where he questions God after winning the battle. I don't need to talk about that too much because you already know. If God shows up for a fight, God going to win the fight. I mean, I mean, the only way you're going in with question is if you don't know who God is. If you can create the world with a word, if you gave everybody life and breath, if you're self-sufficient and omnipotent, how can you not win every battle and every fight that comes your way? And so Elijah is bold enough to go up on the mountain and go against these gods, and God lets him win the battle. Elijah gets down off the mountain. And this is usually what happens when you're in ministry. 
You get up there, I mean, you as bold as a lion when you're preaching God's word. I mean, you can feel the fire in your soul. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. When you go witness, witnessing the people, God gives you a Holy Spirit boldness about yourself. This little coward becomes a lion out of nowhere. You, 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 you become bold to proclaim his word. And then less than 24 hours, <laughs> can I be human this morning? The same one who was proclaiming his word can be the same one doubting his word. The same one who said God was all that can be questioning whether God is real at all. This is Elijah. He's just won a great battle. And now he's questioning whether God is real because sister girl named Jezebel is trying to kill him. And by the way, if people call you Jezebel, that ain't a good thing. I'm telling you, they don't be called Jezebel. And so Jezebel wants to kill Elijah because Elijah has made a fool out of them. And Elijah says, him and God has a moment. He says, God, have you forsaken me? I'm the only one left proclaiming your word. Can I park here for a moment? There's no Bears game today, I don't think. I'm going to park here for a moment. And so, and so, and so, so Elijah cries out, am I the only one left? I want to park there because maybe you felt that way before. You felt like you were the only one left proclaiming God's word. Have you ever felt, am I the only one that still cares about marriage? Am I the only one that still cares about God's word? Am I the only one that cares about justice? Am I the only one that cares? Elijah calls himself telling God off. God. I'm the only one that's been faithful to you. I love God because he checks my boy Elijah. Come here, Elijah. (laughs) You think (laughs) that you're the only one left. Let me tell you something, Elijah. I got 7,000 prophets that have not bowed their knee. To bail. I'm trying to preach to somebody this morning. Christian, you ain't got to worry about this day and age, how wicked it is, how jacked up people are. God keeps his peace. Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter what the world says. Doesn't matter what tomorrow paper says. Doesn't matter how dark society gets. God has enough grace to keep his peeps in the midst of craziness. Oh, Elijah, you better wake up and smell the coffee. Hold on, here it is. It gets better. Elijah, in a matter of fact, the only reason why you're still with me is because I'm still with you. So Christian in the room, before you start judging other people and thinking that you're better than somebody, the only reason why you woke up a believer today is because God keeps his peeps. And if God didn't keep you, you would have woke up an unbeliever. If God didn't keep you, you would have gave up a long time ago. Come on, goodness gracious. We believe that a man got out of a grave and that he's coming back on a white horse. When people hear that, they think you lost your mind. And the only way that you're going to stay with him is if you realize that God is keeping you. That's what's so good about grace. Friends, no matter how we cut it, 
The reason you have not left God is because God has not left you. And his grace has kept you. Are you with me this morning still? I'm afraid many of us know about God's saving grace, but we are ignorant of his keeping grace. Come here, Jude, just the way Jude puts it. Now to him who is able, mama free to hear it is, from stumbling. Y'all ain't listening to me. And to present you blameless. Now that right there, I got to stop right there. Because you, 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 you and I both know that you a lot of things. And blameless ain't one of them. Oh, you, you're a whole lot of stuff. You're blameless? You know you're not blameless. Based on what you did, I know you ain't blameless. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Some of you are squirming right now. Blameless before the presence of his glory and great joy. Let me say it one more time. To present you blameless before the presence of his glory. Mm, that's good right there. That you're going to stand before the God who the Bible says is light. Okay? In other words, that, 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 that God doesn't become light. God doesn't need light because God is light. The Bible says so much light in him, there ain't no, he ain't got a shadow. Whoo, that's a lot of light. Whoo, that's a lot of light. He got so much light in him, he can't even have a shadow. Some of y'all shadows so dark. Come on. Woo, some of us got some dark shadows up in here. What? Ain't enough light in the world. (laughs) But you're going to stand before the God who is light. So much light that the light sees through your darkness. And you're going to stand there plainly. Now, when Jude says that God is able to keep you, what he's trying to convey to us is that grace actually protects you. The word keep here gives the picture of Roman soldiers who would patrol a city on the outside so that no one enemy would be able to get to the city unless they went through the soldiers. I'm trying to preach to somebody here. What I'm trying to tell you is that God ain't going to allow nothing to get to you unless it goes through him. That's good right there. (laughs) So that whatever comes your way has to go through your God. But it gets better. Not only were the soldiers patrolling the outside of the city, they had soldiers patrolling the inside of the city so that the people could be confident that if somebody wanted to knock if they were buck or if somebody wanted to try something, they have to go through the soldiers on the outside and they'll have to go through the soldiers on the inside. So you say to me, Pastor, what if I want to wreck this thing and mess this thing up? God has put a soldier on the inside of you to guard you from yourself. That's how good he is. 
That's how good grace is. He got you on the outside, and he got you on the inside. And if you know yourself like I know me, I'm so grateful that he had sense enough to know that sometimes my biggest enemy is not on the outside. Sometimes my biggest enemy is down on the inside. Sometimes I want to doubt him. Sometimes I want to walk away from him. But he keeps pulling me and anchoring me. I call that keeping grace. It's a grace that protects you on the outside and on the inside. But hold on, it gets better. It gets better. When I was a young man, we used to, every now and again, go to my grandfather's church, Pastor Richard D. Hitton. And sometimes we'll sit in his office and we'll chat with him for a little bit. Happened to be this one Sunday, he was getting ready to go preach somewhere else. Being a young man, I see two big dudes in all black suits. And they told my granddaddy, hey, we're going to go before you and go check out this place to make sure everything's all right. Y'all not with me yet. They went before him into the future to make sure that everything was clear. This is how the old folks used to say it. I can't control the future, but I know who holds the future. And God goes before you, and God keeps you, even the things that are trying to get you in the future. But if you don't think that's enough, he even got grace behind you. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I guess all I'm trying to say is no matter what way you look, no matter what way you turn, saint, you got God on every side of you. And if he's on every side, if he's on the left and on the right, if he's on the front and on the back, and if he's in the inside, you tell me what the world going to do with you. What's sin going to do with you? But friends, I did a little bit more homework, and it gets better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, 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 not only does grace protect you, y'all got to hold your shout. Grace cares for you. Y'all not with me yet. My 14-year-old daughter helped me understand this because she responds how y'all just responded to caring grace. And the reason why she responds with no praise is because sometimes she don't realize that mommy and daddy is keeping her. (laughs) Driving with her one day, and we've been having this conversation about this new card that we got her. She's so excited. She loves to just swipe her little chase card. She go in, swipe. Woo, I'm a bad girl. Check me out, daddy. Bah! And I'm cringing because I don't know if it's going to keep going through. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I, ain't, I, don't, I count on a thousand heels like God. I got limits. And one day we're driving, y'all, and she got the nerves to turn to me and say, Daddy, I don't think you and Mommy care about me. I said, that card you swiping, how you think that's going through? 
I just thought it went through. No, girl, it ain't just going through. Me and your mama been taking up your charges. We've been taking up all your expenses. Every time you swipe, that's a hit on us. Every time you mess up, that's a hit on God. You ain't been keeping yourself. You ain't been paying for your sins. God has. You just been swiping grace. This thing is just going through. It's going through because on a hill far away, 2,000 years ago, God sent his son into a dark world. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. And for you and me, he died. And he'd been putting credit on that card you've been swiping. And had he not died, that card would say, denied, denied. I ain't going to lie to y'all. I felt like Denzel on fences when she told me that. Y'all remember that talk in the backyard that he gave his son, right? <laughs> Boy, you think I'm doing all that because I like you. I ain't got to like you. Stand straight up. Uh, sorry, I just had to get that scene out. I, I ain't got nothing to do with the sermon. I just, I, just, I just had to get it. Elijah, you think you faithful because of you? No. It's because God keeps with his peeps and God keeps his peeps. But not only that, friends, God keeps his promises to his peeps. I want to slow down here because this is where the conundrum of the text comes in. This is the question that we have got to answer. If not, then then Romans 11, Romans 9 through 11 doesn't make sense if you do not understand, understand this. Because there's the conundrum in this chapter. If God keeps his peeps, who are, and according to Paul, are the Jewish people. We know that God handpicked the Jewish people. He called them out on his own. If God keeps his peeps, why then are some of the Jewish people perishing? Why are some of the Jewish people going to hell if God is so faithful? And if his love is unfailing? Well, Paul answers it in chapter 9, and he brings it back up in chapter 11. Everyone who claims they are God's people are not God's people. Everyone who say they're Christian ain't a Christian. Y'all better watch it. Some of y'all go dating people because they say they're Christian. And then when their character don't line up, you say, I thought you were a Christian. And we say, why you date them? They was in church, so what? <laughs> Just because people in the Apple store don't make them an Apple user. Just because people in the church don't make them holy. Just because you're in the Apple store doesn't make you an Apple user. Here's what Paul says. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. This is what Paul has been trying to explain. I want you to understand that God's word hasn't failed his church. For not all who are descended from Israel, watch the text, belong to, and not all the children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. What's his point? God doesn't save or keep on the basis of ethnicity, works, or zip code, or anything else than the basis of grace. See, friends, grace has to be free. If grace is on the basis of anything pertaining to you, it's not grace. 
Grace is now nullified the moment you're getting something on the basis of your earning or deserving. The only way God guarantees he will keep you is if you're in Jesus. Because being in Jesus is the only way God keeps his peace. You know, like in the movies, when somebody is on the run and and they have a loved one that they want to keep safe, they leave them with someone they trust. The person says, why are you leaving me here? Because it's the only way I can guarantee you'll be safe. God can only guarantee our safety if we are in Jesus. Let me put it the way John puts it. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. This was the promise to Abraham from the start, that God would bless his seed, who is Jesus. And all those who trust in Jesus are part of God's covenant. This is what he says in verse 7, what then Israel obtained what it was seeking. Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. I wish I had time to explain all of this, but let me summarize it. Paul appeals to Isaiah 29 and Psalm 69 and applies the condemnation to the Jews who seek God on the basis of their own righteousness. In other words, if you try to get right with God on your own, God's going to condemn you. God's going to reject you you because you cannot become part of God's covenant unless you come through grace. Grace is the only way. There is no other way to God and in his covenant without grace. The issue with the Jewish people, here's the conundrum. This is how we solve it. The issue with the Jewish people is that they think that they are part of God's covenant on the basis of their righteousness, on the basis of their works, on the basis of their ethnicity. And God says, I don't save on the basis of none of that. They think that they're in covenant, but they're actually out of the covenant. I tell my sisters this all the time. Do not call him your man until he has entered a covenant with you. Oh, now y'all know what I'm talking about now. Okay, now y'all with me. But what we have, and I ain't just going to put it on the women, but what we have is both men and women expecting husband and wife commitments when they're not even in a covenant relationship. They want the promise of the covenant without being in the covenant. Y'all not with me. But they think they should partake of the blessings of the covenant because of what they do. I cook, I clean, I wash, I do bills, I go to work, we have sex together. They are trying to work their way into a marital covenant. But the covenant needs to be built on love and not works. You see, what is happening here is is these Jewish people are accusing God of not keeping them, but God is not even in covenant with them. They think they can wash clean and keep the law, and God's promises is going to apply to them. They think just because they've been around God a long time, they are married to him. Okay. All right. 
let me say it again. They think because they've been hanging around the church, because they've been around some Christian folks, that they're part of the covenant. They call it common law marriage these days. If you live together long enough, they just go ahead and consider you married. But in God's economy, it doesn't work that way. You can be around the church all your life. You can go to every Sunday school class and still not be considered part of the covenant because you got to believe and depend on Jesus to be in the covenant. And here's the beautiful part. When you enter into this covenant with God, this covenant never ends. This is the one marriage where death can't do you part. I thought I would have got some more amens on that one, Chris. I've been holding that one to the end. They didn't even shout, but let me say it again. I like the way it sounds. I'll play it back to the congregation. It's as simple as this. This is the only marriage that death can't do you part. And the marriage comes with some promises. Those who believe in Jesus have eternal life. Those who believe in Jesus have passed from death to life. Oh, that's a promise to you, and you can guarantee that that promise will stand. So, Pastor, what are you trying to say? If God keeps with his peace, if God keeps his peace, and if God keeps his promises to his peace, this is a kind of foundation you ought not to leave. This is a sound foundation that you can stand secure on. This is a foundation that will not fail you. I'm almost done, and I'm going home. I'm hopping in my 2015 Malibu. I'm grabbing my kids, and we're getting up out of here. God going to bless y'all real good. Here it is. I'm going to end it on this note right here, and I'm done. If you don't shout on this one, I ain't got nothing else for you. Here it is, y'all. We're standing on a sure foundation. I went over to Timothy, and Timothy said this. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. What are you saying, Timothy? That there's a foundation, and on that foundation is stamped this. God knows those who are his. It ain't even so much about you knowing that you're his. It's about him knowing that you're his. Oh, friends, I learned something about a foundation. I went to this conference about three years ago, and this preacher, he helped me understand it. There's this building that they built on the West Coast. It's called the, 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 the Lotus Apartments. And they built that thing. I mean, y'all, it was, it was real nice. I mean, it was luxurious. It was real good. The next day, he said about 600 people were ready to move into their condos. Y'all, when they got there in the morning, the building had fell over. He said it fell over like his kid's Lego set. It just fell. Well, the rain before and the wind the night before caused the foundation to shift. And because the building was not fastened to the foundation... When the wind came and the water came, the building fell over. It was such a tragedy that it actually changed the way that we build buildings. They got this thing now that they call a J-boat. And he said the J-boat is flat on one side and it hooks onto the bar on the other side so that it secure the walls of the building to the foundation. 
foundation of the building so that no matter if things move, the building will move with its foundation. I love it because the preacher brought it home like this. Y'all may have missed it, but the only reason why it stayed on the foundation is because that thing called a J-boat. I know some of y'all are going to say, oh, here you go. He's doing too much. But I'm going to say it anyway. Y'all stay right there and let the rest of us shout. There's another J-boat called Jesus Christ. And he's fastening you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So no matter what shifts in your life, God says that you won't tip over. You won't fall down because you're kept by the J-boat. I wish I had some people in here who knew that they've been kept by the J-boat. You should have fell over a long time ago. Your life should have been over. But when the wind started blowing, the water started moving, you may have swayed, but when you looked around, you are still standing because God got you fastened by the J-boat. Maybe you don't know him by the J-boat. Some of us know him by the King of Kings. Some of us know him by the Lord of Lords. Some of us, we should have tipped over last night. The devil thought he had you, but he didn't know God had fastened you to his foundation with a J-boat. And when Jesus got you, no wind can blow you down. When Jesus got you, No bad relationship can keep you down. We're on a solid foundation. Weird philosophy can't blow us down. He's a sure foundation. So what you ought to do with this, we'll say it in his prayers. We don't just want to be hearers of the word but we want to be doers of the word so let me give you some things to do before you get out of here I'm going to tell you like Tupac said it you need to keep your head up oh I wish I had something more profound but I'm just going to say it like Tupac said it he said said, you better keep your head up friends you ought to keep your head up Because God is sure to his promises. God is true to his promises. Let me give you something else to do. Don't don't just keep your head up. You keep on keeping on. Oh, yeah, that'll work right there. You keep walking. You keep striving in the destiny that God has for you. I can't explain how many people have stopped walking with God because of the sin in their life, because of them falling short. They feel that they're unworthy. Heck, ain't none of us worthy. You keep on keeping on, church. I got one more for you. Don't just keep your head up. Don't just keep on keeping on. But for goodness sake, don't be selfish and keep checking on with one another. Keep checking in with one another. At the end of the day, we need each other. I can't make it. You can't make it without one another. The Bible is clear that those who are in Christ keep with the church. You can't love God and not love his church. Friends. God keeps with his peeps. God keeps his peeps. And 
God keeps his promises to his peeps. So you ought to keep with God. Amen.